This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, for your notes, are you ready? Title is, Your Life is an Open Book, What Do People See? God sees you all the time, but people are seeing you too, and God wants us to be a right influence. Amen? Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Eyes are open tonight, ears are open tonight, hearts are open tonight, and Lord, we know that the Holy Spirit is always talking, always drawing, always leading, always working in our lives, in our hearts, and I pray in the name of Jesus that if there's any calloused hearts, any hard hearts, any wounded hearts, that they'll be healed tonight, they'll open up and let you talk to them, and I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Everybody said... Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. Uh, 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 no, 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 that's not good enough. It said you're going to wake up tonight. Hebrews 11, verse 5. Okay. Amen. We're having no more slumbering. No more sleeping. We're waking up. Hebrews 11, verse 5. Of course, you know, this is a really powerful chapter. We call it the uh, faith chapter, the Hall of Fame chapter for faith, etc. But just to get to where we want to go... Verse 5, of course, what does verse 6 say? We quote it all the time. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen? But look at the verse before that, why it said that. It says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. He was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What this verse says is this, that Enoch never died. The Bible says that. He never died. He was translated to heaven. He just moved. He just moved from this natural realm into the spiritual realm where God lives while he was still living in his earth suit. Somebody said, how could that happen? I don't know. Ask God. How many know the story of Elijah? Same thing happened to Elijah. Elijah was standing there talking to Elisha, and it said all of a sudden a whirlwind took Elijah up and he just moved to heaven. But look at this right here. It says he was translated. And so what did he do that put him in such a supernatural position with God to experience that? Look at that last phrase. He pleased God. He pleased God. And then that's why verse 6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So obviously Enoch was a man of faith. And so he pleased God. And so I want to look at the Bible, what the Bible says that Enoch did to please God. That sounds so simple, doesn't it? And it really is. It really is easy to please God. And we're going to look at what Enoch did. Go to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5, verse 18. I've been studying the book of Genesis myself lately, just... You know, uh, all I can say is I'm hungry for the Word. I'm hungry to learn and grow as a Christian. I've only been born again 39 years. I just barely got started. I want to know more. I want to learn more. I want to know Jesus more. I want to know the Holy Spirit better. I want to be closer to the Father. And so I've been studying the book of Genesis again. But anyway, to stay on track... The Bible doesn't say a lot about Enoch, 
but he made it to Hebrews chapter 11 in the Hall of Fame of Faith people. And he's the only one besides Elijah ever got to go from earth to heaven and not die. That's a pretty big deal. Amen? And so anyway, verse 18, it says, And Jared lived 162 years, and he begat Enoch. And so Enoch started off as a baby, just like all the human race, except for Adam and Eve. And because the Bible says that Enoch got to go straight to heaven, and that the testimony from God was that he pleased God. And then we get down to the famous faith verse where it says, Without faith, the apostles will please him. As I want to make, I just really want to emphasize that, that verse 5 in Hebrews 11 precedes verse 6, that he pleased God, and so we're looking at what he did. And so it says that he was born, just like anybody else. And then in verse 19, it says that Jared, his dad, lived after begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. I'll talk about that in just a second. It says in the days of Jared were 960 62 years, and he died. So his dad died at 962 years. And then it says, and Enoch lived 60 and 5 years, and then he begat Methuselah. And so Enoch was a man that was born, started off as a baby like everybody else. And then he had, then he had a son, his first son, at 65 years old. And so he was just a regular man. But I want you to understand something about how why people lived so long back then. When Adam was made, God put his DNA in Adam, and Adam was supposed to never die, have sickness or disease. Sickness and disease, there was no curse on the earth. Man was supposed to live forever with God and walk the earth. And then when the fall came, when they sinned and transgressed against God's laws, then the physical body then got a curse on it. As a matter of fact, the way I understand science and medical science today, they still say there's no reason for people to die. Just the aging process starts. But the Bible in Romans chapter 8 says it's called the law of sin and death. Sin brings death. And so because man was made to live forever and ever back then physically, then when the law of sin and death came in, the body didn't know how to die. And so man was made to live for a long, 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 long time forever. And so then when sin and death came in, they lived a thousand years, nine hundred years, 800 years, as I've been studying the book of Genesis, pretty much chapter by chapter, the death age decreases. And then we got to the flood. We got to the flood, and after the flood, then God, God pronounced on mankind what life was going to be. He said, now man will live to be 120 years old. So then after the, after the, after the flood, then God said, okay, now here's what it's going to be, 120 years old. And so that's God's, that's God's best is 120 years. But anyway, that, that just kind of takes some of the wondering off when you read all these chapters about these people, 865 years old, 990 years old. They wasn't supposed to die. The body had to learn how to die because it had the life of God in it. So after generation after generation, anyway, they, they begin to die younger and younger. So anyway, get to verse 21 then. It says, he lived 65 years to get Methuselah. And then here, verse 22 gives us the first clue about how Enoch pleased God. And Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. And then he begat Methuselah at 300 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch 
were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. He was translated. And so Enoch walked with God. So the first and only thing the Bible tells us about what Enoch did to please God and never see spiritual death, he walked with God. All the days of his life, he walked with God. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. And we know that faith basically is hearing from the Word of God what God says and then speak of what God says and agree with what God says and then do your best to live what God says to live. That's faith. It says he walked with God for 365 years. And, you know, you think about back in those days, I was thinking about this when I was writing this out this afternoon. Well, we might think, yeah, but the world's evil now. It'd be hard to walk with God now like that 365 years. Well, how evil was it back then? Right after Methuselah, God destroyed the whole earth. It said, because man's wickedness was gross. It said their thoughts were only evil continually. And so I would say back in his day, it had to be pretty wicked for God to send a flood. And the only one come out was Noah and his family. And so I would say to walk with God back then had to be pretty challenging too for God to destroy the whole earth. Amen? And so we can't use the excuse, well, they didn't have the internet back then. They didn't have liberals back then. Or they didn't have Republicans back then. Or any other politicians. Well, they didn't have this, didn't have that. God is the same. Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, faith that pleased Him back then will still please Him today. Amen. And then think about, think about this. Back then, people weren't born again. They didn't have the Spirit of God in them. Didn't have a new nature on the inside. They had to live the best they could live. And then finally, when the priests and the temples, everything come in, once a year, they go to some priest and hope the priest would live and right. He didn't get killed. And hope the priest could kill the sacrificial lamb or the birds the right way to spread the blood to get sent off them to live another year. We have the blood of Jesus every day. Amen. We got the written word of God now. We've got the Holy Spirit in us so we can say, I'm led by the Spirit of God. Greater is it in me than he is in the world. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. What we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. We have a lot of things they didn't have back then. So what I'm saying is this. And by the way, we don't have to live 365 years either. And try to do it for 365 years without the Holy Spirit in us. And so we ought to be able to make it surely 80 or 90 or 100 years walking with God. Amen. And, and listen, I, you can shout if you want to. That's quite all right. We want you to be awake and shout, even if you got up early. That was a clue. All right. And so we're thinking about Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. It said that Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. And the only thing we can see in the Word of God that it tells about Enoch, not very much at all. It says he was born, had a son named Methuselah. He had other sons and daughters. At 365 years old, he was still walking with God. And then he's walking so close to God that all of a sudden, he just stepped right in. And went right up to where God was. That's heavy duty. <laughs> Amen. 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 And so anyway, Enoch walked with God and he pleased God. 
Now, to explain this more, I want to go to Amos chapter 3, verse 3. That's right after the book of Joel. It's toward the ends of the Old Testament. They'll get it on the screen probably quicker and you can find it, but I got my marker in there, so I found it quick. That's the advantage of being the one that wrote the sermon out. You know right where we're going. Amos chapter 3, verse 3, says this. Can two walk together except they be agreed? God said this. In other words, God said, you can't walk close to me unless you get in agreement with me. You know, people a lot of times try to interpret the word with their own understanding. And they come up with their own plans. Come up with their own ideas, what to do, and think what's right. God's not going to come down to your level and agree with you. God wants you to come up to his level and agree with him. God's not going to change what's in the Bible because you think it shouldn't be there. God's going to stay the same. But if you want to walk close with God, then you've got to agree with God. You've got to agree with God by who you hang out with. If you're going to walk with God, because I was thinking about that walking with God. I was thinking about the people I've walked with over the years. That means people I want to hang out with. And myself, I want to hang out with people that want to live for God. I'm around people that don't, but I'm not supposed to come down to their level and live like they live. I'm supposed to pull up the level and live where I live. Walking with God. and Amen. And so I don't hang out with people's my habit. They're anti-God people. That don't mean I hate them. Doesn't mean I don't like them. Doesn't mean I'm going to judge them. Doesn't mean I'm going to put down on them. It just means if I'm going to hang out with somebody, hang out with somebody to pal around with, I'm not going to hang around with somebody who says, it's Miller time. I don't know if they still do now. Back in the 70s when I did, it was Miller time. I don't know, but hey, that's a beer. I don't know if you know that or not. But anyway, I don't hang out with the Miller time people anymore. I don't, I, don't, I, don't make, I don't hang around with the people that smoke marijuana anymore. I don't hang around with the people that like to fornicate and watch movies that do that anymore. I don't hang out with them. doesn't mean... That I hate them. It just means I walk with people that want to walk with God. And that I influence people for God that aren't walking with God. There's a difference. Amen. And so God said that how can two walk together except they be agreed? And so if Enoch walked with God for 365 years and God said, Enoch pleased me, that means that Enoch was in agreement with God for 365 years. He didn't have the Bible to read, but just like Adam, Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2 says that Adam walked with God in the cool of the garden. That means God hung out with him. He hung out with God. They piled around together. You know, that, that may sound, that may sound kind of, I don't know, sacrilegious or something, but Jesus said, I want to be your friend. I call you friends. Jesus wants to hang out with us every day. Jesus wants us to hang out with him every day. To me, you know, it's just like some of the men in the congregation, we hang out together sometimes. I've done things with Dave before. I've done things with Michael before. I've done things with Robert, Jesse, lots of the people in the church that we've hung out together before. I like hanging out with the guys because we're in agreement on what we want. We're in agreement on how we want to live. We're in agreement on things. That, that To me, that's what walking with God is, somebody you hang out with and not be grieved. Somebody you hang out with, not be praying, Lord, 
get me out of here, how to get into this. Anybody ever been in that situation with somebody? You got someplace sometime and thought, man, how did I ever get tricked into this, Lord? They conned me. What am I doing here? Oh, Lord, I shouldn't be here. I know I shouldn't be here. Satan, I bind you in Jesus' name. Lord, show me how to get out of here. What can I do, Lord? I can't lie. What can I do, Lord? Get me out of here. That's the kind of people that you're not in agreement with, and so you don't walk with them. You know, you have casual acquaintances, but you don't hang out together. And so what am I getting at? I'm getting at this. I want God to say about me that Bernie Sapples pleased me. He walked with me. I really liked hanging out with Bernie. He was a good one to hang out with. He's my son. I was proud of him. Don't you want God to say that about you? Amen. Now listen to what I'm saying. God is no respecter of persons. If any could walk with God and be in agreement, then I can walk with God and be in agreement. You can walk with God and be in agreement. All it takes is knowing what God says to do and do it. Hey man, somebody shout. And so, uh, I want to say it again. Amos 3 3 says, Could two walk together except they be agreed? This is not talking about trying to get God to agree with us in how to live. But it's us finding out from God how to live, and then by an act of our will, putting into practice to the best of our ability, with God's help, to live in agreement with His Word. I want to say that again. It is up to us to find out from God's Word how to live, and then to the best of our ability, not on our own, but with His help. Doing our best to live it. And you know, you know what I love about God's Word? We know that nobody's perfect. There was only one. And they killed him. But praise God, he didn't stay dead. Raised from the dead for our justification. Raised from the dead to be our forgiver. To be our helper. To be the one that helps us through life, etc. But the whole thing is, he gave us 1 John 1, 9. That if we do sin... If we do get off the path, he said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what that means is this, even if we miss it, if we obey what he told us to do and agree with his word, say, Lord, I'm coming to you right now, not because I got caught. Because most of the time when you do things, People don't know it because most things that Christians do aren't things we get in front of the cameras to do. It's things we do in our everyday life. I mean, slip sometimes and lie or do some other things we shouldn't do. Watch something we shouldn't watch. But then God said, if you're going to walk with me, said you do what I told you to do. You confess it. Walk away from it. He said, I'll cleanse you. I'll make you clean again. I'll forgive you and just keep on walking. I want to say that again. God's the one that said we can walk with him if we agree with him. He told us what to do. He told us if we miss it, confess it. Receive his forgiveness and his cleansing and we keep on walking. How else could you walk with God in this life if he didn't make a remedy? If he didn't make a way out for when you miss it? We have to always understand every evil desire that comes to us doesn't necessarily come from our flesh. 
There's evil spirits out there. The devil's the tempter. And because we're human beings, we live in an earth suit and we have a soul and our minds are bombarded every day from the filth around us, that if we miss it, God knows. I'm going to say this. Dr. Barclay said this, and I like it. God knows the difference between sin chasing you or you chasing sin. Amen. I don't willfully, I don't willfully go chasing after wrong things. But man, every once in a while something knocks on my door and I fall for it. Do you ever sometimes think, man, why'd I say that? Why'd I do that? I should have never done that. Well, that wasn't you. That's the temptation hitting you and you fell for it. And that's why God said, tell me about it. Confess it and I'll cleanse it off of you. He wants you to walk with him. He made the way out so you can walk with him. And so we're the ones that got to take advantage of what he told us to do to walk with him. And so that's how we get that stuff off of us. So anyway, with his help, with his help, we can follow his word and do right. And so I want to look at a short, simple New Testament passage that explains how to live so you please God. And that's what we're talking about, these different things here that we need to do as born-again Christians of pleasing. And so I'm not saying you're going to be translated to heaven. But you will enjoy the quality of life that Jesus died for you to live. I want to say that again. If you put into practice the instructions God gives us as New Testament believers, you will enjoy the quality of life that Jesus died for us to live. Do you remember John 10.10? The thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I came that they might have life and that more abundantly. The Amplified Bible says, I came... That they may have and enjoy life. Have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. You don't enjoy life if your family's split up. You don't enjoy life if you're sick all the time or a loved one is. You don't enjoy life if somebody close to you dies before their time. You don't enjoy life if you never have enough money. There's so many things that break down the quality of life. But Jesus said, I came so you can have life. And enjoy it. It abundance to the fold till it overflows. And so our part, our part is to find out how to walk with God so we please God. And the closer we walk with Him, the easier it is to say no to wrong things. The easier it is to know what He's saying to us in our hearts to do in everyday Christian living. To know what to do to please Him. Amen? Is this helping anybody? All right. First Timothy chapter four. We'll look at verse 12 and 15 and 16. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, verse 15 and 16. To me, we can call this meat eaters, but also we can call this living right. And I want to say this again. Title is, Your Life's an Open Book, What Do People See? So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 he was talking to a young pastor, Timothy, or Paul was. But he said this, let no man despise thy youth. But what he says next applies to every born-again Christian. But be thou an example of the believers. If you want to walk with God, be the right example of the believers. In word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. I'm going to go over those just a minute. But I want you to look over verse 15 and 16, and this tells you the results 
of being the right example. It says, these things we just read there, meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly or give thyself entirely to them that thy profiting or thy progress may appear to all. He said, meditate upon these things. Live this way every day. He said, your progress needs to be seen. That's what I said. Your life's an open book. People are seeing your Christian life. And whether you know it or not, on your job, with your family, I don't know about you, how it is with you. But when I got born again, people knew what a, what a rotten guy I was, what a rotten family I came from, and stuff like that. And once I started, it wasn't bragging. They thought it was bragging, but it was testifying what Jesus did for me. Testifying. I wasn't the same thug I used to be. I wasn't the same punk I used to be. I wasn't the same dumb butt I used to be. I'm changed. They watched me closer. On my job, they watched me to see if I was going to cuss again. They watched me at the family gatherings when they was drinking the beer, doing the stuff, if I was going to drink again. They watched what I was doing and my progress was becoming evident to all. I gave myself wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, entirely to the teachers my pastor taught me. I listened to what Brother Hagen taught, Brother Copeland taught, Dr. Summerall, the people that, I, that were my spiritual mentors, teachers, leaders. I listened to what they said. And even if I didn't understand it, when they showed it to me the Bible, and they said, that's wrong for a Christian to do that. You know what, if I'd still been doing that? I said, whoa, they said it's wrong. The Bible said, I'm going to quit doing that. And then when they showed something to the Bible, they said, this is what Christians ought to do. If you're a Christian, the Bible says do this. Well, if I wasn't doing that, you know what I'd say? I'm going to start doing that by faith. That's what I'm going to do. I don't understand it in my head. But these guys here is walking with God. They know him better than me. And the Bible says that I'm going to do that. And you know what? It's what he said here, that my property may appear to all. Become evident that people can see. And what's that saying? That's saying my life's an open book. They're reading me. I did not want them to read a Playboy magazine in my life anymore. I didn't want them to read me being a comic book anymore. I wanted them to see me and think about Jesus. If you see a Christian, should you think about Jesus? Not what was that goofy Playboy guy's name, Hugh Hefter? Some nasty guy? I didn't want to think about, well, well, there goes the little pervert. I want a little pervert as a Jesus man. And so if you're a Jesus man, don't act like a pervert. Let's see. We've got all adults in here tonight. We don't have any kids in here, do we? When I first come to this church here, believe it or not, there's a man at this church. And as a matter of fact, he was part of the, uh, I won't say that because people here went to church back then. Anyway, there's a man at this church for a lot of years. I stayed, when I first came here, my first month here, we stood there at the door, and he would talk about women's breasts. Well, look at her, isn't she built? Look at that. You ever see anything like that? I couldn't believe it. I was a new pastor and a guy that was influenced in this church was living that way and talking that way. I thought, man, oh man, oh man, what a great influence you are. I just, you know, I was the, I was the new pastor. I mean, this guy was one of the, the influences of the church. I just kind of stood there. I, I ignored him, you know, and just changed the conversations and stuff. I, I mean, you know, you just, I had to keep a straight face because I didn't want to let the guy know that his shock treatment wasn't getting to me. But praise God, he's gone. It's too bad his family's a wreck now. I mean, because that's the way they live. That's the way they were. But what I'm saying is this. 
what kind of book, if he talked that way to a pastor at a church, how did he act around people that didn't go to church that knew he was a Christian? I don't think his progress was evident to all men because he had no progress. He regressed. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. That that thy property may appear to all. This is the result of living right. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. That means the teaching from the Bible. Take heed to yourself. Guard yourself. Watch yourself. Live right. It says continue in them. Continue in them. Don't ever, ever, ever take a spiritual break from church or from the Christian life. Don't take off on a couple week vacation to Sinsville. Amen. Stay living holy. It said continue then. For in doing this, here's what we all want if we're real Christians. In doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Them that hear thee. So you notice, he says that your prophet may appear to all. So two things there that God said. He said, number one, if it's appearing, they're seeing. And then he says, you're going to be able to get people saved that hear. And if you're not living right, they're going to listen to what you got to say and you go preaching to them. Amen. You know, there's an old saying that I can't hear what you're saying because I see how you're living. And you know, my, my whole thought always was with religious people that, and I'm not talking about Christians, I'm talking about religious people, there's a difference. Religious people like to talk about God, but they don't live for God. Christians don't have to talk about God. They say, follow me as I follow Christ. I, I like what, a, what one of the old time evangelists said. Says, he, said, he said, we're preaching every day, and sometimes we even use words. That's because our life is preaching. And so I want you to notice there, here's the goal of what we're talking about. To me, it's my number one goal in life, to get people saved. He said that when we live this way, he says, then they will hear us because they see us. Can you see that? That's scripture right there. That's the goal of what we're talking about. We want them to see how we live. And you know the fruit of the Spirit? I mean, you know, I know we, I know we got some really health food people here. Whether you're a health food person or not, who doesn't like a good apple or a good pear? Or a good peach or banana or grapes or whatever you like. When you see good fruit, what do you want to do with it? You desire it and you want it. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc., etc. So when people see the fruit of the Spirit in a real Christian, they want that fruit. And then you tell them the only way to get this fruit is receive the one that gives it to you. His name is Jesus. And so, and so people, people are seeing you as an open book. What are they seeing? So now I want to go back and I want to, I want to look at this, uh, verse 15 or verse 12 and kind of explain a little bit what he's saying right here just as we close up to understand how he's telling you how to live. He says, be an example of a believer. Be an example. So to please Jesus with our life on earth, he tells us to be a living pattern. The example he talks about is a living pattern. Uh, my wife right now, uh, Grandma, is making a quilt. She makes quilts for all the new grandbabies. She makes a lot of things for them, but she's making a quilt right now. So uh, we've got the dining room table set up. It's out of service again because it's covered with the quilt right now. 
got all the patches out there. She always uses patterns. And when she follows the pattern, she gets what's in the book. The men here that make things out of metal or wood or whatever they make it out of, we use a pattern. Because we know when you use a pattern and you follow the pattern, you get what you see in the book. Well, he's saying right here, our life is to be a pattern of Christian living from the Bible. And when we pattern our life after the written Word of God, then people look at us, they see the living Word of God in our lives. They see us living it. They see it. He said, make yourself an example. He said, be a pattern of a believer. A believer is somebody that believes the Bible, not with lip service, but believe is an action word. That means you know what it says, and you don't just talk about it, you do it. You live what it says. You don't just say, I believe in laying hands on the sick, you lay hands on the sick. You don't just say, well, I believe in tithing is in the Bible, you tithe. You don't say, well, I believe in forgiveness in the Bible, you forgive. That's what a believer does. They believe the Bible says we're supposed to be an example of a believer, and so a living pattern for people to imitate how a born-again follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is called to live in the negative, corrupt society that surrounds us. And you know, many times in the New Testament it says we're a light in a dark world. The Bible calls God light, calls the devil dark. And people that imitate the devil live in darkness. People that imitate Jesus and live like Jesus said to live, then we live in the light. So we're a light. But notice then, in verse 15 and 16, the goal is for us to influence people to get saved. Now notice verse 12, and this is where we close. I want you to notice there's six things to incorporate into our life right here he tells us about. Six things. Number one, says we're to be an example in word. And what that means to be an example in how we talk. Write down Ephesians 4.29. Just write that down. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, to use of edifying, that may minister grace to the hearers. What that means is this. Be a builder-upper, not a putter-downer. That's real simple what it says. If your lifestyle is all the time saying, negative jokes about people, about your wife, about your husband, about your kids, about anybody else in life, then you're not being an example of a believer. God, God would never look at my son and say, who's that retard you got leading the music? He'd never call you a retard. And you know what, I, I bet you there's lots of people here that call people retards. Man, it got real quiet in here. How do I know that? Because I hear you talk. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't put down on people. You know, the, the words are the names you call people. If you're going to be that example of a believer, you don't put down on people. You build them up, you put them up. You know, for us as believers, how many here, by the way, I'll probably get about two hands because they don't raise their hands anymore. How many here are a believer? Wow, about one-third of you are believers. We're going to have a really good altar call. No, if you're, if you are a believer, then how many of you believers believe in praying for people? Okay. And so if you see somebody that really is not living right, somebody's not doing right, instead of becoming a gossip, why don't you take that mouth with your heart on your knees to your prayer closet 
and say, Father, I bring so-and-so before you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I know there's a lot of people watching him, a lot of people watching her, and Lord, I know they're not being the influence they can be. You're not judging. You're praying for them to be the believer that God wants them to be, have the influence they're supposed to have. Isn't that a whole lot better than put doubt on them, talk about them? What a jerk they are. They come to my church and they live that way? Aren't you glad God didn't say that about you? Amen. Be thou example in words so you want to talk right. And then he says the next thing. He says in conversation. Conversation here isn't talking about your talk. It's talking about your lifestyle. How you conduct yourself in everyday life. The New Testament. Now listen to this. The New Testament has much to say about living a moral life. So I've been an example in your moral life. Stay away from non-biblical sex. I'm not preaching on that tonight. But if you're going to live like God said to live to please Him, you're going to walk with God, if you've got a wedding ring on your finger, and you've had a marriage ceremony done in the eyes of God, then have all the sex you want with your mate. Any other thing, then you're not being an example. You're being a wrong example. Don't get drunk on alcohol and dope. Don't be a liar. Don't be a cheater. Etc., etc. He says, be an example of a believer. And so if you're going to be an example of a pattern of a believer, if the Bible says, live this way, live this way. If the Bible says, quit living this way, quit living that way. Amen. I mean, just simple enough, read the Ten Commandments. And so, and so anyway, tell the truth. Don't be a cheater. And then in charity, and charity's talking about the first Corinthians 13 love walk. Charity here comes the word agape, agape love. Be an example of the love of God, the unconditional love of God that God put your born again spirit as a believer. Let me tell you real simple what that is. Every day, practice the golden rule that Jesus talked about. Jesus said, do it to others as I want others to do to me. So that means in your everyday life, in your interactions with people, interactions of life, if you're about to do something you wouldn't want them to do to you, stop. Don't do it. Amen. He says, be an example in charity, be an example in the love of God. And so just do what you want people to do to you in spirit. Now listen, in spirit simply means pump yourself to stay enthused and excited about living for Jesus. Have the right spiritual attitude. Stay excited about living for Jesus and the Christian way of life. I'll tell you what, pastors live in earth suits like believers live in earth suits. How many times have I not wanted to come to church on Sunday morning and I'm the pastor? What I do, I look in the mirror. If I have to, I slap myself. I pray. I come to church. People say, how you doing, pastor? I don't want to say sometimes. I got myself trained. I'm a believer in spirit. I say, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm doing great. How you doing, man? Doing awesome. Like that. He says, be an example in spirit. How would you like to have a preacher get up here? Say, well, guys, guess what, man? We had a bad week on the farm. Man, what for bad luck? We'd have no luck at all. I, I, I'll tell you what. We're so poor we couldn't even raise an umbrella. You know? I've heard preachers talk that way, but God says right here, I'm talking to you right now. I'm not talking to me, I'm talking to you. He says, be an example in spirit. 
Parents, grandparents, you be excited about coming to church. Amen. You be excited. Department heads, you be excited when you're talking to your workers. He said, be an example in spirit. You have to pump yourself up sometimes. Etc. That's what he said to do. In faith. That means this. Always act like the Bible's true. You always live like the Bible's true. When making decisions and then in life, stick with the word while walking through the crisis. Act like the Bible's true. If God said, I'll supply all your needs, you keep on saying, God will supply all my needs. If God says, by my stripes you're healed, then you say, by his stripes I'm healed. Etc., etc. In purity. In purity. Now listen to this. Never lose your childlike faith. Never you lose your childlike faith. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm thinking right now about the altar line. Don't be afraid. Come up to the altar line and say, Pastor, pray for my pinky. These little children come up here every week. Pastor, I got a boo-boo. Where's it at? Right there on my arm. Oh, Jesus, I thank you for healing the boo-boo. Don't ever, ever, ever lose that purity of faith. Keep your childlike faith. Stay tender-hearted. Stay tender-hearted. That's the purity. Stay tender-hearted. Stay teachable. If in your heart you know it's wrong, stay tender-hearted. Say, okay, as much as this is going to hurt my pride, I'm going to confess, I'm going to admit it's wrong, I'm not going to do it. If God moves on you at an altar call to come up here and... The pastor's body has a word of knowledge. Anybody that's dealing with this right now in life, come here. That means there's a special anointing right now. I doubt it'll be at the back door because God said right here. That's purity. That's a pure heart. You don't care who's listening. You don't care who's watching. You don't care what they think. And even if I got a guest speaker, I'm the pastor of the church and they call it out, I'm going to go up there. Why is that? I've already been asking God to help me. And now a man or woman of God says, God said, I'm going to help these people's got this. I'm going to go up there because I want the answer. And I know by experience, when God say, come up here, God doesn't mean talk quietly in the parking lot and see if they'll help you. Because they can pray a good prayer, but they don't he's here. Yeah. Amen. And so what's the goal of all that? That those that see us and those that hear us can be saved. they got to see the right stuff. I don't know about you. I preach me happy. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.